I invite you to turn over to our our scripture text for this morning. Now you find it in your bulletin on page three. We come this morning to the final edition in our series of Lord's Supper sermons that we've been doing on the various types of sacrifices in the Old Covenant. So looking at the Old Testament, at the different kinds, five of them, that are described as sacrifices that Old Testament worshipers were to to bring before the Lord, studying them not because we're repeating them today, or that the Lord's Supper is some type of sacrifice. It's not. But because those Old Testament sacrifices were, uh, were pointers, were shadows, were preparing the ground for the final sacrifice of Christ. So by looking backward, we, we fill in different facets of what Christ has done for us in, in fullness. Uh, what, what we meditate on as we come to the Lord's Supper, what's ministered to, to our hearts uh, at the table this morning. And again, we've been looking at these five different ones, all from the book of Leviticus. The first couple chapters of Leviticus goes through them one by one. Uh, we, we looked at several months ago the, the, the burnt offering, and there the focus was on uh, the, the substitute that would turn aside the wrath of God by bearing that wrath, the burnt offering. And then we looked at the grain offering, and that one was all about our response to God's mercy as we as we dedicate ourselves to him and and we thank him and then there was the peace offering and there the the whole focus was on fellowship with God and celebrating what he has done and then most recently we looked at the sin offering where it was all about the blood the blood uh, that cleanses from the pollution of sin uh, and and all these things we've been tying into what Christ does in, in fullness and this morning we come to the guilt offering. And as we read through our, our text, see if you, can, if you can catch the details, which are all kind of summed up in commercial terms. Sin is costly, but the substitute pays the cost. So let's, let's see if we can uh, take a look together. It's Leviticus 5, we're reading 14, over into chapter 6, verse 7. This is God's very word. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying... If anyone commits a breach of faith and sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish out of the flock, valued in silver shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering. He shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy thing, and shall add a fifth to it and give it to the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and he shall be forgiven. If anyone sins, uh, doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, though he did not know it, then realizes his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity. He shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock, or make its equivalent for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him, for the mistake he made unintentionally, and he shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering, and he has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor in a matter of deposit or security or through robbery, or if he has oppressed his neighbor he has, or, he has, or has found something lost and lied about it, swearing falsely, in any of these things that people do and sin thereby, if he has sinned and realized his guilt, 
and will restore what he, has, what he took by robbery or what he got by oppression, or the deposit that was committed to him, or the lost thing that he found, or anything about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore it in full, and shall add a fifth to it, and give it to him to whom it belongs on the day he realizes his guilt. <coughs> and he shall bring to the priest, as his compensation to the Lord, a ram without blemish, out of the flock, or its equivalent, for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do, and thereby become guilty. Let's pray together. Father, we do pray that you would give us understanding to know your word and to see the glory of what you have done in your Son. We thank you for his final sacrifice for sin and provision for your people, even us. So remind us of it and encourage the hearts of your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want you to think back to that time in your childhood when you were messing around, doing something you shouldn't have been doing, and sure enough, a window got broken. And then you had to pay for it. Do you remember that time? That happens to everybody, doesn't it? Or maybe it's just a boy thing. I don't know. I think back to that time I was at my grandparents' house in their garage, and I was messing around, being stupid, doing something I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing. Sure enough, garage window gets broken, had the inevitable conversation with mom and dad. I had to pay for it. And specifically, I remember I'd had some money set aside, and, and that money was going to be used that evening for, for stuff on the boardwalk, and and I had to take my boardwalk money and give it to my grandfather to pay for the window. Two things that strike me as I look back on that. One, my parents were right to make me pay for it. As painful as it was to give up that money, that was the right thing to do. Uh, I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. I sinned. It had, a, had an effect. And, and it was the right thing to do uh, to, to pay for it, as painful as it was. So it's the right thing to do. The second thing I realized, and I just this just dawned on me this week, there is no way that boardwalk money actually covered the cost of the window, <laughs> let alone the cost of the labor uh, that my grandfather had to put in. My grandfather, the engineer who worked for Ford Motor Company, there's no way I could afford his hourly rate. There's no way that that boardwalk money covered all that. And so what ended up happening is, my grandfather paid the price for my sin. Put those things together, and, and I think we're starting to get at what the scripture is communicating in the guilt offering, in context. Sin is costly. There's a, there's a price that needs to be paid. And secondly, we just don't have the resources to pay for. So someone else has to bear the cost. So let's take a look at those one at a time. Sin is, is costly. Uh, you might have noticed this phrase uh, that occurs as, as the, God is describing the different sins. Uh, he calls it twice a breach of faith. A breach of faith shows up in verse 15 and then again in verse 2 of chapter 6. Uh, a breach of faith against the Lord. 
So it might, that language, breach of faith, might make you think of uh, breaching a contract. You, know, you have a contract with someone and someone, someone breaks the terms of the deal. You breach the contract. That's something of what's going on here because the relationship that God has with his people is a, is a covenant relationship. God rescues his people out of Egypt and he, and he binds himself to them. He's in a covenant, kind of like a contract relationship to them. And as a part of that covenant, of that bond, he calls them as his people to walk in his ways. So when they, they break that law, uh, they, they, it's a breach of faith. It's a breaking of the, of the covenant. Uh, it's a sin against, against God. And that's what is reflected here. And there's a couple different ways that are described. You could, you could commit a breach of faith. So a couple different ones. And we'll, we'll talk about them just quickly and try to relate to how this, we might fall into similar uh, examples in our context. So, for example, verse 15 it speaks about a breach of faith with respect to the holy things of the Lord. The holy things of the Lord. You might remember in the, in the Old Covenant, there were certain earthly objects that were designated as holy to the Lord. And nothing inherently glorious about them, but they were, they were holy because they were set apart for God's use. And a lot of it had to do with what was going on there at the tabernacle, that special tent in the midst of God's people, God's presence dwelling there. And probably what's referring to here, uh, misusing the holy things, <coughs> probably what's, what's focused on is that portion of food that was supposed to go to the Lord. right? Because when you brought your offering, we've seen a lot of times that the, the, the animal was divided up some of it burned on the altar, uh, some of it going to a priest. Oftentimes, you got to keep some of it. And what probably is going on here is there's a portion of that food that was supposed to be dedicated to the Lord, and, and, and you ended up keeping it. it. And it says unintentionally, even. And we talked about that a month ago. You know, there there's some sins that are high-handed sins, or you're really shaking your fist at God, uh, and and in breaking his law, but there's other sins where it's we're not waking up in the morning deciding I'm going to shake my fist and break God's law today, but through carelessness, sinful carelessness, you end up breaking his commandments, and that seems to be here through uh, through sinful carelessness. This worshiper was supposed to give this portion to the Lord, ends up keeping it. This was a holy thing unto the Lord, and and it didn't end up going to the Lord. And so here's this breach of faith, and then we just we get described uh, what needs to what needs to happen, and it's really two different things. Uh, one is uh, that in this in this breach of faith, it, it needs to be paid back what you took. Uh, so if it was a certain portion of food, you, you're supposed to to give that portion uh, to the Lord plus a fifth, plus twenty percent. But then secondly, there was supposed to be a, a ram that was offered up. Uh, on the altar to the Lord. Now, that it was that there was two parts. So pay back what you owed or what you took, plus a little extra, plus an offering to the Lord. Because it was this breach of faith with the holy things. And you start to get the idea. Sin is costly. Sin is costly. And maybe we can start to, re to relate in terms of our own our own sin. In the New Testament, we don't have to worry about uh, holding on to holy meat. Uh, but there are other things that God says are, are holy to the Lord that we're tempted to, to misuse or keep for ourselves when they're supposed to be dedicated 
to him. Now, one thing the New Testament says is holy to the Lord is our very physical being, our very physical bodies, holy unto the Lord, a temple of the Lord. And yet we're tempted to, to misuse them as if it belonged to us uh, and not use it fully and completely for God. Uh, or we could think of how the New Testament describes the church as holy unto the Lord, his people. And then there's another thing. We're, we're tempted to, to not dedicate it all to him, uh, whether it's by uh, wanting, wanting church to be what we like and, and all about us, or, or whether it's just neglecting the fellowship of the church or the, or the worship of the church or the, the service to one another. Right? Holy things of God that we're tempted to, to, to misuse. Um, and then the, the lesson of the guilt offering, that sin is costly. Uh, it incurs a debt. But then verse 6 gives another class of, of sins that's described as a breach of faith against the Lord. And these are specific sins against uh, our neighbor. And so you hear, <clears throat> it's verses 2 and 3. <clears throat> And it's a bunch of different things where, where you, which you could defraud your neighbor, whether it was a matter of a, a loan and a, a security that you, you held on to wrongly, uh, or deceiving your neighbor, uh, or, or, or finding something that belonged to your neighbor and you lie about it. Nope, haven't seen that. Haven't seen that cow anywhere. And it's sitting in your, it's sitting in your barn kind of thing. Uh, so a whole different types of ways, but the same theme of you end up defrauding your neighbor. You end up stealing from uh, from your neighbor. Of course, we can fall into that too. Uh, ways that that we can uh, we can uh, either overtly or subtly uh, steal from one another. Uh, whether it's you know, there's those office supplies at work. Nobody's going to notice if that goes missing, uh, and, and taking it home, or or uh, cheating on our taxes, or or you know, there's something you borrowed from somebody and you never return it. Uh, th things like that, or even more overt uh, uh, oppression and, and robbery that, that even, even God's people can fall into. The thing to notice here, so he gets sins against one another, but God calls them a breach of faith against the Lord. So we sin against our neighbor, but it's a, it's a breaking of the, the covenant with God. And so that goes into what the, the guilt offering is about, is, is to deal with. And again, it's, it's two things. Uh, there is the there is the sacrifice that's supposed to be uh, to be given to the Lord, the ram that's offered, uh, and you're supposed to restore what you stole plus plus twenty percent. So you make restitution, uh, restore what you stole, but you also add uh, an offering to the Lord. And the theme is again, sin is costly, not just costing between man and man. But, but, but it incurs a debt with, with God as we break faith with him. Sin is costly. And it's not just Old Testament sin, it's our sin. Uh, this debt, uh, in debt to neighbor, but especially in debt to God. Which brings us then to the, the second major theme is that price needs to be paid. And well, we can't pay it. The price needs to be paid. We've seen again and again with these sacrifices of the Old Covenant that what they, what they do is point to the answer to sin is the sacrifice of a substitute. The, 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 the solution to the problems of sin 
the sacrifice of the substitute. And each of the different sacrifices comes at a slightly different angle. And so with that, that burnt offering, the first one we looked at, Leviticus 1, burnt offering, the whole idea was sin incurs the wrath of God. So the sacrifice comes in and takes the wrath for me. Uh, where the, the sin offering, what we looked at a month ago, there the whole, the whole focus on is on sin and its polluting effects. So the blood of the substitute cleanses the pollution. Here it is, sin, uh, with the guilt offering, sin is costly. It, it incurs a debt, and the substitute pays it. Uh, and so you, you might have noticed throughout, there's this very careful attention given to uh, the ram. It's got to be a very specific animal. And how much that ram is worth. Very specific, because the theme of, of, of debt, and it's got to be paid for. Um, not just restoring to our neighbor, but to, to God, uh, to God himself. And as we've seen all along with these Old Testament sacrifices, they point forward to something better. None of these animal sacrifices really could deal with sin, but they point to the one final sacrifice that does, and that's Jesus himself. God himself paying the debt in his very person. Because we can't pay it. We can't offer up a sacrifice sufficient to pay the debt with God. Maybe we can restore what we, what we broke of our neighbors. Uh, but, but our debt to God, we can't, we can't hope to repay it. So the sacrifice of the Old Testament points us to Jesus. God himself stepping in. The substitute will pay the cost. Our Isaiah 53 passage helps us here. Now, we read it this morning, Isaiah, hundreds of years before, uh, clearly talking about Jesus. And you can see that language of substitute and sacrifice throughout, right? Pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds, we are healed, substitute. But it also uses the language of guilt offering. Uh, it's, it's hidden down there in verse 10 of Isaiah 53. Um, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. It's the same word, guilt offering. When his soul makes a guilt offering. In other words, what, what Jesus was doing in going to the cross was, was making the final, ultimate, complete guilt offering, the, the paying of the debt that you and I cannot hope to repay. Jesus pays it. And he pays it all. The, the entire price for our breach of faith against God, he pays it all, your entire sin offering to the Lord. There's, there's nothing that you need to add. There's nothing that you really can add to it. And this, this is where the, the analogy of, of me breaking my grandfather's window breaks down. Because you don't even have boardwalk money to contribute. And not even a little bit. And, and, and it's God stepping in and saying, I will pay the entire price. All of it. And look at what price it is. It, it's, the, it's the death of the son in our place. He pays it all, completely. For those, for those sins of the past, paid for for those sins of the, of the present, paid for. Those sins of the future, paid for. Even for sins that you're not 
completely aware of or sure about. I don't know if you caught the, the interesting language in verses 17 through 19. Uh, it, it's kind of tricky. What's, what's he really talking about here? And most scholars agree what's, what's going on here is uh, an Old Testament worshiper begins to feel guilty, like they might have sinned, but they're not 100% sure. Like, did I, did I take some of the meat and I wasn't supposed to? I'm not sure. Or did I defraud my neighbor? I'm not quite sure. And, and here's the provision is, yeah, you present a guilt offering for even that sin you're not quite sure about. Think of, think of how encouraging that is. That, that God, with the final guilt offering in G, of Jesus, he pays for even the sins that you're not aware of or, or not quite sure about. I mean, for, for, for some of us, it's these kinds of things that can really weigh upon us and, and, and really absorb our minds. You know, wow, did I, just, did I just sin? Right? You know, I, I was just having this conversation. I was telling this story. Was that gossip? Oh, man, you know, and you could be racked by that or, you know, I, I was just filling out financial aid forms. You need a doctorate to know how to do these things correctly. But, but throughout, like, I'm answering these questions and there's big money at stake here and I'm Am I saying the right things? I'm not 100% sure. I don't want to defraud anybody, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'll do my best. And, you know, but you multiply that throughout, throughout life. Did I, did I confess all my sins? I might have missed something. Did I ask the Lord for that? Did I acknowledge that? Did I, and, and, and we can be overcome by this. But see the good news of the guilt offering. God knows about that. And, and even for that sin... Jesus pays the price. Even for one you're, the one you're not sure about, the one you missed, the one you're not aware of, the one God hasn't even brought to your attention yet, Jesus pays for that too. Now, now none of this is to say you know, we go on and just keep on sinning, or that if we do defraud our neighbor, we don't make it right. Yeah, you break the window, go ahead and pay for it. You should. Uh, but, but that is not you paying the debt with God. Right? There's the debt you can't pay off. Uh, there's the, there's the, the, the debt. You, you don't have money in the bank for this one. And Jesus pays it all. Completely and totally. And God gives it, and he never calls you to pay him back. Right? It's not he pays it, and now you're on a payment plan. No, he pays it all. You're, you don't pay God back for his, his sacrifice for you. Yeah, you turn from the old life because he wants to transform you and make you new. But even that turning from the old life and, and even making restitution where appropriate, that's not you paying God back. It's free. It's a free gift, the guilt offering, Jesus' work for you. Or you could think of it specifically as you come to the Lord's, the Lord's table. Um, you're not coming to the Lord's table. Uh, this isn't like a payment plan here where, where okay, I got to come with a little bit of money to pay God back. Uh, it's it's not like it's not like going to uh, to Panera or Chipotle. They'll, they'll give you the meal, but you got to pay a little bit first. You got to pay for it. God will serve you, but you better come with something impressive spiritually first. No. Nope. Or even you don't even need to come with promises that you will pay God back. Maybe you're someone who's tempted to do that. Uh, I know I've been. 
uh, you feel bad about how spiritually you've been, and you come to the Lord's table. Yeah, but God, I, I will pay you. I, I'm gonna, I promise you, I'll make it right. You know, I'll pay you back this week. I'll do better. Now, sure, that God calls us to, to that transformed life, and he strengthens us to it, but not because we're coming making promises to pay him back. No, it's only because we're freed, because the debt is completely paid for here. It comes back again and again. And even in the symbolism here, uh, it, it's not you coming bringing something. It's you coming empty, and God serves you. And look at what he serves you. The emblems of Jesus, right? The, the one who, who is the precious one. The one who, in his very eternal being and, and, and life, is infinitely valuable, right? There is, there is the, the value, and that's what's given. That's what's given. His work for you, your debt paid for. Of course, the, the real key is trusting in that sacrifice. Not trusting in your ability to pay it back or, or pay for it in advance, but trusting completely in what Christ did. Uh, again and again, we're, we're, the, we're the destitute beggar. We trust uh, in, in the millionaire who pays off the debt for us. Um, we run to him. We trust in him. So hopefully what we've seen throughout uh, looking at these different sacrifices is different facets on the same idea. Uh, Our sin is bad, even worse than we think. But man, is Christ glorious. Is is God in his son fixing the exact problem we have and bigger than we could ever imagine. Uh, You see it in the different uh, aspects, the different facets Sin brings about the wrath of God. Jesus is the substitute who bears the wrath for us. Sin pollutes, but Jesus' blood washes that pollution clean. Uh, Sin is this debt before God. Jesus pays the debt completely. It's all about him, and we just rejoice in it. And so that's why our next hymn is a great one uh, to transition to the Lord's Supper as we sing, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Now, remember as you sing that, think of it rightly. It's not all to him I owe in the sense of I owe him and I'm going to pay him back. But in other words, I owe my entire forgiveness to him. Right? He paid it all. I owe this freedom. I owe this salvation. It's all him. He did it all. Right? That's the whole point of Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin and left a crimson stain, washed it white as snow. Let's pray and sing that together. Father, thank you for the glorious things that you've done uh, for us, for sinners. Lord, you have provided that final sacrifice in your Son. Encourage us and strengthen us. Give us uh, greater uh, faith to just lean upon him, uh, and then in him transform us into his likeness more and more. In joy, we pray in Jesus' name.